Welcome to Implement This with Microsoft Business Solutions MVP Britta Rexted and co-host Matthew C. Anderson, where we have an insider's discussion around the things we consider when implementing Dynamics 365. On today's episode, sponsored by Anaugic, Britta and I are talking all about forms in Dynamics 365. Maplytics by Anaugic is a market-leading, certified for Microsoft Dynamics 365 geoanalytical mapping app. Maplytics empowers users with powerful map visualization and routing capabilities within Dynamics 3 CRM to drive better sales, improve business processes, and engage the right customers at the right time. Maplytics now works with Dynamics 365 version 9 and Dynamics 365 app for mobile and tablet. Anagic is a leading Microsoft Gold Dynamics CRM ISV, delivering best-in-class Dynamics 365 solutions, as well as cost-effective and high-quality programming services. We thank Anagic for their sponsorship, and now, on with the show. So here we are, back with another episode of Implement This. Hi, Britta. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you doing? I am doing really well. I'm hoping that this will be an informative episode today. Oh, oh man. Really? Yeah, I started it there. Gotta gotta get the pun in. It's so hard to recover from that. <laughs> recover? Okay, please, this is gold. Pure please gold. keep listening. I have a good hack at the end for um, quick view forms and subgrids. So please do not turn off the podcast due to that terrible joke. Okay. okay <laughs> moving okay, on. Moving okay. on. Okay. So forms. There are so many types now. Remember when I learned to update forms back in 2011? You just updated the form. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't anything to learn. There was a form, and if you wanted, you could have two forms. And now it's really intimidating when you look at that list if you don't know what they all are. So I think we should start by talking about all the different types of forms to yeah. know what to use. And then there's a lot of best practice. I see people, especially admins, um, doing customer appeasement or user appeasement instead of user adoption, and they end up digging <laughs> holes for themselves. So we should talk about that too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think we alluded to that in previous episodes as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Control how many forms you're you're making and um so I guess just starting off with the different types of forms and the the one you already mentioned is the good old fashioned main form. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, I think when you think about a form you're probably thinking about a main form. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're thinking about a main form. Um, <laughs> so, yep, looking at it with an individual record, you are seeing it, uh, you know, kind it's of... It's a whole page. Yep. And that may be a, a something that you end up seeing in read-only mode, or you might see it as you know, you're creating a new record, but it's when you have the full you know, window and panel there uh, when you're creating things. Yep. And also you can do multiple tabs. I mean, there's really quite a bit of configurability mm-hmm. there. Uh, everything else we're going to talk about is a much simpler form. So the main form is usually your end-all, be-all. Like for your account record, you might have a lot of data you track about that account, but then you might use other forms throughout the system to just show key pieces of data when you need it. Mm-hmm. Because at times you don't want to overwhelm people. You want to um, just say, I know all you need is these three fields. So we're going to display that where you need it and not make you open the whole page and look at everything. Mm-hmm. All right. So mobile is kind of interesting. We still have mobile forms, but we don't really need them anymore. Yeah. Mobile form, not so much needed anymore. Uh, you can certainly uh, go and see them, but it was really meant for the phones and devices of yesterday mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, kind of old unsupported browsers. I, I saw some situations where 
people would, you know, kind of get the mobile form by default and we're like, oh, what's this? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But really, I mean, that's that's all but uh, unused at this point in any anything modern. I mean, really, the the move of Dynamics to the mobile client app or Mocha app, um, and then especially with the, the most recent updates to Dynamics of having the unified user interface, mm-hmm. um, and you're not you're not having a separately managed mobile form that people have to you know worry about or think about or or kind of suffer with as it was with the the case of those uh old school mobile forms something to keep in mind with that though a gotcha i'm seeing popping up with users sometimes is that because it is interactive now your same form will say oh okay my screen is this big I will arrange things appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, if your users are just giving CRM a little sliver of their monitor, if they have those tiny, cute little square monitors, that means that your IT people don't love them. <laughs> if they have those, <laughs> then they might be missing things. And so maybe their navigation's too skinny. Maybe too yeah. many things happen behind the three dots. Other things go on. And so it is just a little bit of a gotcha. It's great, and I think it's a great move for the product. Just keep in mind, though, if you make your CRM windows too small, you might be missing buttons or missing things. So if you panic, just make your make your window bigger. Yeah, and a- another tip on that, because it's not always just about the size of the monitor that you have. Uh, just your general screen resolution, even if you have a good monitor, can play into that. And also what your zoom level is ah. within your within your browser and within your desktop. Um, that's one thing where sometimes things can be a little bit squeezed off the page, even if it's you know generally a, a well-structured form. If somebody's zoomed in at 230%, they're probably only seeing that sliver of what it should be and things are, are not going to look like you would normally expect them to. Yeah. My first panic moment when I can't find what I'm looking for is to make sure that my screen is as big as possible or that window is full size. And then a lot of times what I'm missing comes back. Like mm-hmm. it, it's there. It's just tucked behind something. So if you have the opportunity to teach your users that, yeah. that before they pick up the phone and call you in panic, they should make the browser or that window as big as possible. Yeah. And it I, might solve their problem. And I think that's a good, uh, a good call out of, you know, when you're configuring forms like that, just check it at different kind of uh, you know, amounts of space, amounts mm-hmm. of width when you're looking through it. And, you know, I think the, you know, as I've been working with the unified user interface, um, it, it's actually a little bit more dynamic. There's less of that kind of double checking mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm doing there. It just does a better job of handling it. I think because we know better, like, how responsive design should work, you know, uh-huh. in, in uh, kind of the main... Uh, or the the traditional you know dynamics user interface, it had its own special responsive design, yes, <laughs> um, which you know kind of followed its own structure and and you know fit a lot of needs really well, but it had special rules and unified user interface does a, a better job with that across all the the form types. Absolutely. So let's talk about Quick Create, which we've actually already talked about before on other yes, episodes. Yes, we talked about that back on episode 14, some of our favorite uh, Salesforce automation things. Yes. Um, Quick Create forms are really great, and I would say, and we talked about, I think we talked about mapping there too, um, which is where you bring data with you when you're creating a new record um, through the relationship. And so Quick Create is really great for that. I think the frustration I see some brand new baby admins get into is that you're like, oh man, I like that quick create form so much. I want to use it all the time, but it's only for creating records. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't display things you already have in QuickCrate, which is a little bit of a bummer. And sometimes you do run into limitations where you can do that on the main form, but you can't do it on QuickCrate. So yeah. QuickCrate is for fast data entry. I like to think almost nothing should be required. That is for brain dumping. When someone who has kind of a scattered thought process goes, oh, <laughs> you should have a QuickCrate form that they can just quickly throw in what they need and then get back to what they're doing without getting distracted. So it's not to replace the main form. It's just for those little epiphany moments. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say there is another situation where I'll use a quick create form where I only have one or two fields on it and they are required fields when I'm getting kind of some metadata about a record I already have open. And one of the quickest ways to capture that in a, you know, kind of a many to many situation is to use a, a quick create form. And that's a, a great way to do it. And in that situation, you do want it required. Otherwise, it's blank metadata. Yeah, otherwise there's no point. Um, And, you know, just from a a usability standpoint, a comment around the quick create form is keep in mind quick create can be great when you are creating a record from another record. Yes. But there can be some confusion, especially for users that are getting familiar with Dynamics. Quick create is also available at the, the... you know, highest level navigation within mm-hmm. Dynamics. And when you choose Quick Create from there rather than from like a, a subgrid, uh, it doesn't carry the context forward. So some of the field mapping, uh, it's not going to be there if you choose to Quick Create from the wrong place. So just yes. keep that in mind um, uh-huh. as, a, as a training point that you want to hammer home if you're going to leverage Quick Create. And how you'll know you're running into that issue is if you're looking at your data and from a data integrity standpoint, that that lookup to the parent record just seems to be missing a lot. Um, that's probably because they're just going straight to quick create. And that's sometimes hard for a user to understand. They've got to start from where they want the relationship to be. Otherwise, you have to teach them to populate it themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, you'll, you'll know. You'll see that in your data. And instead of getting mad at your users, just kind of try to redirect them in the process of where you want them to launch it from. Instead of teaching them to hit that plus sign up the top of their screen, make them actually go through and hit it from the lookup, and then yep. it will populate. Yep. Great one. Shall we move on to quick view forms? Yes, please. Also discussed in episode 14. Yes, absolutely. So a little bit of a review there. Um, quick view forms are awesome. Uh, however, if we were ever to have a race, Matt, of the fastest customization to make users create support tickets, I think it's quick view forms. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I don't know why we would ever play that game, but actually sounds kind of fun. <laughs> How fast can you make your users angry and start making tickets? And that's because a quick view form is read-only. And um, it's really cool the way it's laid out. You can stealth hide whatever you want. You can have a quick view form that is just one field if you want. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to get very arts and crafts with it, you can really hide it on your form so it feels as though it just blends in with everything else. And you're going to make your users very upset very quickly because they don't understand why they can't edit that field. And then they'll think Serum is broken. And then uh-huh. they tell everyone else Serum is broken. And then you get pulled out of a meeting because everyone thinks Serum is broken. And you just forgot to tell them it's a quick view form. So um, don't hide them. Don't be stealthy. That's my trick. <laughs> now, with one exception. So I'll, first I'll say the, the rule and then I'll give you my exception. So don't be stealthy. Um, I usually put them in their own section and I label the section. And I mm-hmm. usually put something like read only. Uh, they are really great though. Um, especially if you're replicating data. 
Gone are the days of having the same field on multiple records and having a workflow go and stamp it. Mm-hmm. I love this because it's up to date all the time. Um, I would say if you are just moving one field and you do really need the data and um, all that, then I use a calculated field just to move that data from point A to point B instead of a quick view form. Mm-hmm. Then it's naturally locked. It makes more sense to the user. Same level of automatically up to date, which is nice over using a workflow. But sometimes a calculated field, if you just need one thing, is better than a quick view form. So my hack, and this is where I do blend and camouflage, is that um, so something we're limited by in subgrids is you have to have the subgrid be about records that are related. So uh-huh. usually using some kind of a lookup. So a lot of times our data is related, but maybe I'm two hops away from my data. It's not immediately related to the record that I'm on. Well, if you can use a subgrid, if you can use a quick view form and then put a subgrid in it, you mm-hmm. can put anything related to that related record in your subgrid. So it gets you a little bit further. Um, it's not going to be on the form all the time. It'll only pop up if that lookup is populated. Mm-hmm. But I have had it as a nice way before to meet requirements where um, if we already, like let's say we already have something for that customer, they want to see the other ones, you know, and yep. something is not an obvious easy to get to in the subgrid. It's not directly related. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of hack it and get a little further. So that's the only time yeah. that I do it in stealth mode. <laughs> Otherwise, I make it incredibly clear, this is a quick view. Yeah. It is not edit- go here to edit it. Excellent. I hope that uh, I hope that tip does make up for the bad joke I used at the, <laughs> at the top of the episode. I think so. I think it will. It's a pretty good tip. Okay, cards. Cards. Cards, Matt. Yes, so cards are a rather new type of form inside of Dynamics. So uh, this is used within interactive dashboards. Uh, If you're going to show something in a queue, if you're going to show something in uh, that view in an interactive dashboard, you need to have cards set up uh, in order to do that. So uh, this kind of first showed its, its way through on the interactive service hub. Um, and is uh, now uh, continued to be used in the unified user experience for those uh, interactive dashboards. Cool. Yeah. And that's a, a place where I haven't gotten a lot of use out of it in the, the implementations I've worked on to date. So uh, anybody out there who wants to tweet at us, comment on the show, please do that if you have, you know, kind of good tips and tricks or best practices there, um, you know, as the 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 platform expands um you know we we can only have so much knowledge there so please uh share share the wealth so we keep seeing this word interactive experience phrase interactive Mm -hmm. experience pop up other places so now we have the main form that we've known and loved and we have main interactive experience yeah which was again you know kind of coming around from the interactive service hub from what uh from whence it came anyway and with the Unified user uh, interface. Um, from what I can tell, this one is phasing out. I haven't seen an official deprecation of it, but you can't create a new one uh, okay. with that interactive experience label. Um, from what I've been able to tell, so I think that uh, that one, you know, similar to my depth of knowledge around the card. Hey, if you're out there listening to this and you have more detail, please, you know, share it with the community here. You know, tweet or, or comment on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about things that feel like they should be a form but are not a form. Because sometimes you're saying, where on earth do I edit that form? Wait, you mean it's like... It's not a form at all. You mean like Microsoft Forms? <laughs> you can edit those. No, I mean like Global Search. Or, oh. Um, 
uh, hierarchies or things like that. Mm. When you're looking at something that's like three or four fields, feels like there's a card somewhere. Maybe you saw the word card and thought that's what it was for, and it's not. Um, So I think we should talk about that. We did talk about it a little bit in episode five. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a callback to that. But um, we, we used a lot. The quick view search is probably one of the most powerful out-of-the-box things. We, we use that without realizing we're using it all yeah. the time. Yes. And so historically, we've used this, you know, when you let a user type in the search box when looking at a view yeah. and, you know, service what they need, and that's always been great. But now um, we get really specific about what columns, what columns actually show up in these little tiles that feel like forms, but they're not. They're sneaky. Right. Do you have any tips for that? So, you know, I guess it, it really... From a from a creation of the quick view uh, standpoint, you just want to be very intelligent or very precise around what you have set up in those first three columns of that data, because you want to you want to make sure that when people are seeing that view, I mean, if you if you do nothing uh, and you have a custom entity, you're going to see the name of the record and you're going to see the created on date. Which for most for most record types is pretty irrelevant, mm-hmm. um, and you know things that make make sense in you know one in the list view quick find search down uh, may not make as much sense in the context of a global search where that's all the information that you have to go on. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's no there's not going to be a you know one size fits all solution there, but just Keep that consideration in mind because it 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 feeds through in more places than you think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about on the show about my battle scars from appeasing everybody and giving them their own form <laughs> as a way. Um, so back in the day when I was a coward, I still <laughs> love a coward, but instead of um, having users come together and debate out what should be on forms. I just decided that we'd make everybody happy and give everybody their own form. And it was a nightmare. And um, some things have gotten a lot easier. So we still have the ability, you can have multiple main forms, which there are sometimes you really do need that. Maybe customer service, their form should look entirely different than sales. So there are Mm -hmm. times for that. Um, But also the other time I will use it is sometimes in a training scenario, I will have a security role specifically for brand new users, I will make CRM as small as possible as I can just to help them not get overwhelmed. And then I will use a very simplified version of everything and I will give them their own form just so I can ease them in because dropping them in at the deep end is just a little mean. Yeah, and truly from a a best practices, when you consider user maturity in an implementation, uh, there's this desire because you can have a lot of stuff on the form. You can ask for a lot of detail from the, those users and have, you know, 25, 35, 50, 100 fields on the form. Less is more, especially, you know, for for new users or people who may not want to be using the system in the first place. Mm-hmm. That stuff on the screen makes it feel complicated, even if it's not really that complicated. But it's just... It gets busy and it gets intimidating, and that's a very real and human reaction to that. Yeah. Sometimes I will do two forms where I'll have a standard form, and then I'll have one where I add dash detail at the end. Mm -hmm. And so then the user who really does care about that date field from two years ago, they can go see everything because you will have users who want to see everything. Um, But the, the trick with that is that 
when the user goes back to that record type, it's going to load the last form they used. And I find users have a hard time remembering to change back. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you have this little bit of an upset because, well, my form doesn't look like her form. And then people get all confused. So be really careful um, in having a specific user have multiple forms. Make sure that they are confident in switching yeah. back and forth on their forms because yeah. the likelihood they'll get stuck. This is where I see it a lot in self-implemented places where they bring me into coach is that um, – the team doesn't understand why CRM is so different for each of them. And that's mm -hmm. because once upon a time they picked a new form and they never remembered to go back and yeah. things like that happen. Well, and, and, you know, there there are other contexts where you would use multiple forms. A good, a good, and, and you do want to focus in on the training side of it. And an example I'll use there is uh, different forms for account types uh, because there might be different information that you want to show on the form for, say, a customer versus a vendor. You're not going to have opportunities associated with a vendor, probably. And uh, you aren't going to have, like, you know, open orders or, you know, de desired, uh, um, you know, in information about things that you would get from a, a vendor of yours that you would show on a customer form. So mm -hmm. in that case, having the... Multiple form types, uh, you know, you have to have both of those um, visible in your system, at least to some users. So consider how you're going to use uh, either either form level role-based security to lock those down, maybe some sort of scripting to be able to help, um, you know, for one account type, make sure it shows the right account form for that, mm -hmm. um, or just you know, getting back to the training side of it, letting people understand that, oh, if you go to a vendor's form versus a customer's form, you want to flip this around because, of course, there's different detail that you want to see there. Yeah. I think if you in that scenario, if you can get away with it, I would try to get there all the way in business rules because then it will do it for the user. But there are things that we can't do in a business rule. So today in a business rule, we can't collapse a tab, for example, or we can't as easily can't show and hide a subgrade. You can do that if you right. use the quick view hack, but you can't just with a business rule show and hide things like that. And so if I can, I try to use a business rule to make it feel like multiple forms because then mm -hmm. the user doesn't have to do anything yeah. and I'm not using scripting. Um, but there are scenarios where what we have, um, or maybe you have other things, you have uh, web resources or other things in a form that are radically different for one type of account versus another. Then multiple forms is probably what you have to do uh, some scripting might be necessary. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably rather, if I had the user base I needed to switch between the forms, I would rather have multiple forms than throw a bunch of scripting in there. Yep. And that's just, you know, um, my personal preference yep. because I don't code, so I'm very biased. Well, and, but. you know, that, that same approach would be used. I mean, if you have those different types and you're also using something like hierarchies, um, you know, hierarchies, when you're looking at them, have a similar experience of being able to change to different views of what's being showed for the records in the hierarchy. It's leveraging uh, quick view cards for that. And you can choose which one your default is going to be. But if you have a hierarchy of, say, customer records versus vendor records, maybe that's a hierarchy, maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. But, uh, if, you know, for that purpose... That's that's not a place where you have easy hooks to do scripting 
for that because you can't control the the page that the hierarchy is displaying on to even inject that code without doing something unsupported and don't do unsupported customizations to dynamics. Yep. Um, just don't. Just say no. So so yeah, I mean, you know, kind of going back to the the training side of it and and a little bit less code, it makes it a little bit more universal for people as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So we've covered a lot on forms. Is there anything else, best practices or nice to knows or anything like that that you want to cover? Or are we looking good for this one? I think we're good. All right. Tweet us with whatever we forgot. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Yeah, take care. You've been listening to Implement This with Britta Rexted and Matthew C. Anderson. Do you have a business problem you'd like us to discuss on the show? Reach us through our website, implementthis.org, where you can also subscribe to the podcast. We're on Twitter, too. Britta is at MacGyverCRM, and I'm at MC Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.